Hello and welcome to Running Down Corridors. I'm Martin and joining me this week, as always, I have Chris. Hello. And we're once again joined by our good friend, Abby. How are you doing, guys? Hi. All right. Yeah, not bad. And this is where we pretend like we're not recording to back to back. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> so when the Disney Plus deal was announced recently, there was a lot of speculation about spin-offs. So I thought maybe we could just have a short discussion about spin-offs that have come before and maybe stuff we would like to see. So I think we'll stick to official ones. I think it's easier and we're most likely to have all seen them. So I guess that the first ever attempted Doctor Who spin-off was Canine and Company. So have you both seen it and what did you make of it? I've never seen it. You've never not seen, seen it. it? No, I've uh, never seen the interest of it. <laughs> I, to be honest, I've always, I'm going <laughs> to have to uh, shred my uh, membership card of being a Doctor Who fan, but I've always thought K-9 was shit. I'm not um, a K-9 fan at all. Uh, I think, he's, I think he's, he's a, it's such a stupid idea that they ever put him in it. And I just don't, I couldn't care less. The only episode that I found it a bit emotional was when he got blown up in the uh, school reunion episode. But yeah, as well used uh, there. Yeah, but that was because it felt like a nice little miles to the past, and then he and you know, and then, then he sacrifices himself, and they bring him back anyway, and now he's Australia's problem. Good day, mates. I tried watching that series today. I made it nine minutes in, <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned it off. That's a great start, isn't it? I just never understood the logic of Sarah having K nine. Ever. <laughs> no, and uh, I didn't really understand it in The Five Doctors either, but then that's because it came afterwards, I think, wasn't it? Canine and Company and then The Five Doctors, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's it's Nina's dog. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's Mark, Mark 3. <laughs> Sounds about like candy. All right, so let's, <laughs> let's move on to the one that I know we all would have seen. The next one that was actually successful was Torchwood. Torchwood, outside the government, beyond the police, tracking down alien life on Earth and arming the human race against the future. The 21st century is when everything changes, and you've got to be ready. So, what are your memories of Torchwood? I've only seen the first season of that documentary. I like the adult aspects. Yeah, Not like, in a weird way. That came across really weird. <laughs> to me, it kind of felt like they were trying hard to make it adult. And it didn't, mm. it was like as if teenagers were, a student film was trying to be adult, you know, that sort of feeling I had. But well, it, yeah, look at the sex gas. Oh, Christ, yeah. <laughs> That's my ex's favourite episode. <laughs> I have reasons for liking that episode, which I cannot disclose. Oh, okay. Maybe tell us off that. <laughs> Well, that leaves that open to interpretation. Um, Hello, listeners. <laughs> you're into the late hour of the. Do you know? I I, I thought the first episode was uh, was alright. As it got on, it was okay. I didn't quite take to some of the characters straight away, but actually by the by the end, I think series two was better. Was oh, series better. two is my favorite of Torture. Series two is far better. The characters soft, softened a bit. 
like I could not stand Owen, yeah, Vern uh, Gorman's character until the second season, Claire. and it just went from there. I really found its feet in the second series, and then of course it had the Children of Earth story, which uh, I think was one of the most compelling weeks <laughs> of TV viewing. Yeah, outstanding. To think that that came from Doctor Who as well. <laughs> So I've been reading a book about the making of series one. All right. And the production of this thing was an utter shit show. So Chris Chibnall was originally brought on to be a writer. Then they approached him and they were like, how about being a co-producer? And then retroactively about three months into filming, it was like, actually, Chris, Russell can't handle Doctor Who, this and the upcoming Sarah Jane adventures. So do you want to be showrunner? And Chris Chibnall was kind of grandfathered in. So series one of Tortured was announced in October 2005. Mm. It started filming in May 2006, and it broadcast in October 2006. So they had half the time and half the budget of Doctor Who and had to make the same amount of episodes. So, uh, yeah, a lot of times they were going off first drafts and episodes got swapped around and stuff. Uh, Cyberwoman is like polarized amongst all those episodes. Well, but it looks like a, a fan's wanked heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it is. Sense. It is. And basically, <laughs> that was meant to be episode 10, and Yanto was going to be the villain of the series. And throughout the series, we were going to see him pocketing bits of tech, etc., and be like, oh, what's this guy up to? And then it was going to play out that he had, he had betrayed them all. But just because of just the sheer volume of work they had to do in five months, all of that got cut. So that's why a lot of Series 1 Yanto is just kind of there. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And there's, there's some really good standout episodes. Ghost Machine is outstanding. Oh, yeah. That is just awesome. And oh, what's, the, what's the name of it? The one where the people from the past come back? They, they come in on the plane. I can't remember the title of the episode. Out of time. Out of time. Oh, that's a beautiful episode. That's up there with that my favourite tortured. Just doesn't doesn't Owen fall for one of the He does, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one that stuck with me for that first series was Countryside. Oh, that's brilliant. That was terrifying. Yeah. Just truly frightening. And the fact that it ends with just that there is no alien. And it's just like, there's no creature or anything like that. It just, it's just chilling to the bone. Really, really terrifying stuff. Have you guys heard any of the Big Finish tortured? I've got ACD. Uh, no. I, I don't, I didn't quite rate it. I think because it just felt like, it felt like it was a part of a bigger story and I only had one part of it. Oh well, yeah, that would make sense. But I don't know if it was, I felt like it just sort of ended as if it was open to other, you know, like it was all I connected. Think, I think with Big Finish, you go either one of two ways. You either listen to Torchwood or Unit, and I listen to Unit. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> no, I just, bring it up. I just bring it up because Joe Lidster, uh, I'm proud to say he's a friend of mine now through many years of he's following each other on Twitter. I love Joe. Yeah, he wrote a Big Finish audio called Broken, and it's set... Oh just yes. after countryside mm -hmm. and it deals with like the aftermath of that and what yanto's going through and it it's beautiful and it explains like him falling in love with jack and you kind of see that well you hear the the their love for each other progress over the course of this audio and it's got gwen from gavin and stacy in it that's my recommendation to any listeners is to check okay. out broken 
they should add it to my long list. Yeah. And <laughs> I guess probably the fan favourite spin off is the Sarah Jane Adventures. 13 Bannon and Road is where Sarah Jane Smith lives. And it's home to things way beyond your imagination. There's an extraterrestrial supercomputer in the wall, a genetically engineered boy genius in the attic, a schoolgirl investigator across the road, and a whole universe of adventure right here on the doorstep. Ready? Always. I think because that has a... I suppose a bigger age range, really. Uh, if you think about it, it is aimed for the for younger kids, but it's still, but it has that sort of feel of Doctor Who still. It still has some really thingy issues in it, though. I know it's mm. like aimed at younger kids, but some of the stuff is really like, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. it dealt with racism before the modern mm. era did of Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah, I thought it was very good. That actually, I quite like the format that each it was a two parter each one, whereas Doctor Who, you know, would just do a, a wrap it up in a single 45 minutes yeah they would do like two half hours and you'd always have that cliffhanger i, I just love that feeling old school format yeah there's so many good ones i mean the trickster in that the it's just incredible nightmare man oh nightmare man was brilliant i had to re-watch that episode because of a series that i'm writing a couple of days ago and it's just about us like yes this 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 is good this this is a good episode. That one was written by Joe Lidster, actually, coincidentally. I love the Sarah Jane Adventures. I again, I like that that format, and I think that's why a lot of old school fans kind of gravitated towards it. Yeah. But originally, when she was approached about doing the spin-off, all her agent had told her, Liz Sladen, was, "Oh, Russell T. Davis wants to talk to you about this Doctor Who spin-off," and Torchwood was currently filming. So Elizabeth Sladen put two and two together, got five. And got really excited that she that she was going to be playing a more adult version of Sarah Jane, and wondering how that's going to go. And when she went, yeah, when she got to the meeting, Russell's like, "No, we're giving you your own show, and it's going to be on CBBC." (laughs) But she's equally delighted to be getting her own show. But yeah, I just imagine those ideas she was having on the train journey to go meet Russell in Cardiff. And thinking about how how Sarah would fit into this more adult environment. Well, funny you say that. Actually, I interviewed Sadie Miller, um, her daughter. You did, uh, yeah. For my um, my podcast, more than just the impression. I asked her if there's any character that she because because I think she plays her her mother's role very very well. Yes. Um, and I said, but now you've got you know there are possibilities, of course, that you could take Sarah Jane where you know where you feel appropriate is there any companion or anyone else you'd like her to partner with and she said Gwen from uh from Torchwood oh wow so I think yeah I'd like to see that chemistry that's no idea if that will if that will come to be but yeah I think there's she she would love to see the Torchwood angle from that I've been intrigued to see what her ideas were for a, a more adult Sarah Jane yeah, it's a shame that series got cut short, sadly, because of her, her illness yeah. and her passing. What spin-offs would you most like to see? You're just not going to talk about class, are you? I forgot about class, to be honest. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say this. I sat down and watched class a couple of months ago because I didn't even give it a chance because of what everybody else had been saying. It's all right. I don't think it worked because you don't have that person to connect to because obviously it's all yeah. like original characters if they'd like 
I don't know, slipped Clara in or Danny Pink as much as I'm not a massive fan of those yeah, two yeah. characters. I think if they if they'd had that shoehorn character there, it would have worked better. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. My fiance's stepbrother is a massive fan of Doctor Who. He has been since the Troughton era and he had never heard of Klaus. He was like, Oh, it's a shame there's not been a spin-off for a while. And I was like, Well, Klaus, he had no idea. Just <laughs> just no idea. And I guess if you're looking for that on iPlayer, there's, it's a shit name. It's a really shit it, name. It's a shit time. name, and like Abby said, there's no recognisable character. So the re, you know they didn't want to put the Doctor in Torchwood because they felt that kids would want to watch it, but then they had to have the Doctor in class because you have to establish that this is the same universe. And yeah, I wasn't a fan of Clara and Danny, but if they had left to lead class, I think class would have got second series. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, guys, what spin-offs would you like to see? I know, Chris, you, you've <laughs> long pitched the Peladon series. Yeah, I want a Peladon series. It's like Game of Thrones meets <laughs> uh, House of Cards and Brian Hales. I think it'd be fantastic. And why no one's done it is beyond me. <laughs> Before anyone says, yes, I know Big Finish did do a Peladon range and they got David Troughton back to be King Peladon or whatever. But that's not what I'm talking about, people. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm sounding like a right-wing commentator. I'll shut up now. The difficulty with this is that spin-off shows only ever get half the budget of the parent show. So like when Angel launched as a spin-off to Buffy, that had half the budget of an episode of Buffy. All the Doctor Who spin-offs we've had have been modern day Earth set. And that's just budgetary. But now maybe there's some Disney Plus money coming in. Maybe you can start looking further afield and we can have something set in space. Abby, you're our guest. Is there any <laughs> spin-off cooking around in your mind that you would like? Yes. She's made the answer them. Yeah, I think we, them. we know the answer. On TT but... Productions 23. Um, <laughs> that's my Charlotte Fuller voice right there. Um, <laughs> I quite like the Paternoster gang and I feel like they deserved a little bit more love and development. I have took it upon myself to do that, but if they had the ability to do it on screen, it would be brilliant. I feel sorry for Neve McIntosh having to put that makeup on all the time. However, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's stories to be told. Animated would work well, actually. Animated, yeah. Stories to be told because they were literally picked up and dropped in. We didn't see any mm. of them as characters. They were very much kind of side pieces not bringing up TT again, but even just the Jenny stuff, you you research her character and when you look into backstories on like Wikipedia and stuff, it says Jenny was a match girl and that is her backstory, that is it. But we never saw that on telly. You know, it was never mentioned, it was never brought up and I feel like they could do a lot with them, either like pre-Good Man Goes to War or like, obviously I know like Big Finish have been doing stuff with them as well, but like, oh, I, do, I feel like they have more potential than they've been given. You know? Oh, yeah, there's definitely mm. potential there. I guess it, it's budgetary, the reason it was never oh, done yeah. live action, because it's something fans have wanted. But I guess when two of your leads spend five hours in makeup before the they thing, can film it? anything, and it's Victorian London, mm. you've got all it the costume. Like, it would be and high budget. Yeah. Because yeah. the other thing, the other thing I'd love to see is more of the Victorian Torchwood. Oh, mm. same. I'm a sucker for anything set in the Victorian Edwardian era. Like, yeah, 
Yeah, that that scene with the two girls and Jack. I want more of that, please. That that is my favorite episode of Torture, actually. There. Fragments. I brought that the second it aired because you used to be able to buy episodes on um, your iPod mm. back in the day. Oh, yeah. And the second it aired, I brought that episode on iTunes so I could watch it again because I don't think iPlayer was a thing back then. So I couldn't just re watch it. But yeah, I've always been fascinated by Victorian Torchwood. And there's some great crossovers to be had from the Pan Oscar mm -hmm. gang. I've always thought a 70s or 80s set unit series kind of like the x-files oh my god yes would be brilliant and you could get like john colshaw voicing the brigadier on like a phone call or something with with the main cast i just think there's so much scope in the universe of doctor who the universe is almost too big for one show yeah you, you need some spin-offs and there were times you know that i wasn't enjoying doctor who but i really liked tortured or I wasn't enjoying Tortured, but I had the Sarah Jane adventures and that was good. It's been missing for about a decade now. If you didn't like it under the, like the Capaldi era, there was no other outlet apart from Big Finish. Thank God for Big Finish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the same with the Whitaker era, like all those fans that were against the female doctor or they just didn't like the writing or for whatever reason they, they didn't watch. Yeah, they they, had, and they had nowhere else to go. Yeah, and... I just think it's a shame there is no spin-off to kind of share the load. I think we are going to see some spin-offs, but if Disney are funding it, they're not going to fund a character that the viewers have to go to a competitor to learn about. That's if you true. see what I mean. So yeah, they're not going to yeah, pick yeah. Martha and be like, oh, we're giving Mar like what Martha got up to in that year around or what Martha's up to now. Yeah. Because then internationally, you know, in America, they'd be sending their viewers to HBO Max. That's true. So I think any spin-offs we get, they're either going to be legacy characters like Ace, mm. or they're going to be a character that we're going to meet in Series 14. True. When Class was announced, I tried to think of silly um, spin-offs that were pretty much, uh, I suppose, somewhere along the line, like you could argue Big Finish have done a few there. Um, <laughs> scraping of the barrel sort of uh, spin-offs. Tales so from I, New Earth. Yeah. So I ended up coming up with a few just to put on Twitter to be hopefully comical. One was the Peladon story at one because I, that's not comical. That was a serious suggestion, but I wanted to try and get it out there again. The other one was like Wilson. Oh, the uh, janitor. The janitor from Rose, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was essentially... And uh, I took a photo of, I can't find the artwork anywhere, but I mocked up little posters. And I basically had a, one of the warning electric signs in the background. And I'd like <laughs> Robson Green in high vis. <laughs> and it said Wilson and the sign that says, do not go in, you know, <laughs> all the fire safety things. And my pitch for it was Wilson, the tale of, of the lonely janitor who enjoys the lottery. <laughs> oh, um, Rossity Davis expanded on that character in the novelization of Rose. No. Yeah. Basically, he was embezzling the lottery money. Oh, for God's sake. And just hoping that the numbers never came up. Oh, my God. Does make sense, but that adds yeah. to the story of, exactly. uh, of Wilson. Exactly. That, that, that's the plot we need. 
and some are even older, classic Who ones. One of them is uh, from Tomb of the Cybermen. Captain Harper and his flying machine. I wanted that guy to come back and have his own show. This uh, Tales from Terminus. Yeah. <laughs> Alpha Centauri, live and unleashed. Nancy ever put her clothes back on. <laughs> <clears throat> Stand-up routines from Alpha Centauri. That'd be fun. Yeah. It was weird. Sorry. No, that's, that's fine. I was just rambling, but I just think there's a lot of good potential out there for... I'm kind of actually, now that you've said that, I'm now intrigued by the Wilson story. I, I think there's something about there. a book now. <laughs> I've got the audio book I can send you away, Chris. Well, there's only going to be about 30 seconds regarding it, I imagine. <laughs> no. What's the whole spin? What I plan is a full 10-part serial. Okay. <laughs> hey. um, Wilson Justice. He didn't just die down there, killed by mannequins. It was weird the way they announced class, because all I remember that day on Twitter, all day they were posting pictures of from like the Robert Holmes days and the Hinchcliffe days. And people were like, oh, Hinchcliffe's coming back to write an episode. Oh, yeah. And then it was just like, oh, <laughs> we're, we're doing a spin-off that's got no characters that you know. Or connection to the other names. Yeah. I'd applaud the marketing for that because that is an ultimate wanker move. <laughs> you could have had this, however. Yeah, you know, he goes, what connects <laughs> the return of Philip Hinchcliffe? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and all these different things. Tom Baker or something. You go, oh my God, what are they doing? And it turns out it's nothing involved. Nothing to do with it at all. We just wanted to post up little bits to really make you think. Uh, and that was back in the day where the social media account wasn't, um, oh, what they call it, commercial. It wasn't a commercial account. So they had very little content to post on. <laughs> On Twitter, I remember one time they posted this thing. There was like some slice of ham on Yaz. <laughs> and like, what? Yeah, just if you look back before, because they couldn't tweet about Big Finish or anything like that when they were non commercial. <laughs> so, like, they really struggled to get content. So they would <laughs> make stuff up. And then I can't even remember it all, but I remember once they tweeted about Jodie Whittaker's birthday and they, it was the wrong day. <laughs> and it, it was yeah it was little stuff like that and i will say now now the bbc twitter account can tweet stuff about big finishes etc it is a lot more interesting to read <laughs> but yeah um spin-offs i i think yeah we definitely need a spin-off i know class had its fans but i wasn't one of them and i think the BBC lost faith in class midway through production oh, yeah. because 100%. they sent Doctor Who magazine no promotional material for that show. So on the day class launched, the corresponding magazine was a celebration of 10th anniversary of Tortured. Oh. <laughs> and I remember someone tweeting them and being like, why didn't you give class any promotion? They're like, look, we're not a charity. If they don't send us anything. <laughs> what are we meant to report on? So, yeah, the like, whole promotion like of class and stuff was yeah. weird. Yeah. Kind of like the secrecy they had with uh, Series 11, isn't it? Oh. And then they, they sort of held too much of their cards close to their chest and they didn't really promote it. Well, Doctor Who magazine has started to sell out again. 
And it's because Russell T. Davis is actually giving them content. You can't excite people by just going, it's coming, just wait. Yeah. It doesn't build any hype. Russell T. Davis knows how to build hype. And he managed to build hype with four emojis. That's incredible. You know? Should we talk about the recent trailer? Because over Christmas, the trailer came out. What did you guys make of that? Yeah, that's quite good. Uh, Chris, we're seeing Beep the Meep in this, and you were in an audio that features Beep the Meep. Yeah. Any yeah. connection? No, I'm not in it. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't tell us if you were, though. No, I couldn't, but uh, I can guarantee that I'm not in it. Because uh, <laughs> I would probably say something... That would be like, well, you'll have to wait and see, or that's true. Like David Tennant, and I, I wouldn't even be able to lie. I'd the thing no. that's made me laugh with the beat the meep is you got all these people that like, oh, it's like, no, you really don't know who that character is, do you, darling? <laughs> oh, no, oh, wait. I heard that Miriam Margolis is meant to be it's voicing. Supposed to be it. voicing her, yeah. Yeah, I heard that's, that. That's the rumor, which I think is fantastic because uh, in the audio I did, it was uh, Beth and Dixon Bate. She's a brilliant voice artist, uh, voice actor, actor in general. But the voice that she put on for that was just incredibly chilling. Even Tom Baker was sort of just like, fucking hell. You know, sort of, um, <laughs> he was just in awe. That's quite cool to see that uh, be brought to life in adaptation mm-hmm. on the big screen. No, I'm not invited back. I don't know. <laughs> they've definitely gone up market if they've got Miriam Margolis to be in it. <laughs> she called me a cunt once. I think she calls everyone it, I imagine. Yeah, in fairness. I feel like that's just like whenever you meet her, to be fair. Anyone. Yeah. I think she, she, she just lets it slip out, doesn't she? She just uh, has no filter. Yeah. Uh, but, no, but not in a um, no filter kind of drunk aunt at a Christmas. Yeah. Place, more, more of a... Continual. More of, more of that she just, she, she doesn't care much for etiquette, I'd say. Yeah. That teaser to ask more questions, which is the whole point of a teaser, to be fair. But yeah, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah, it didn't spoil. Didn't tell us anything we didn't already know, really. Yeah, to be honest, that's not necessarily a bad thing, like you say. Oh, exactly. um, but it's Liz, my wife Liz, is sort of like this. Whenever she sees a trailer, saying this, well, it didn't really show anything, did it? I said, well, no, not meant to get the whole plot. <laughs> the whole plot of the story I, done. Imagine, you know, like the old trailers used to do that. Like really, really old trailers just had the voice of like. In a world. Well, not even that. I'm talking even earlier than that. Like the, the, the old like, like black and white films would be something along the lines of, I don't know, if they were describing five men are arrested, they blame Kaiser Soze. It was the cripple all along. You know, it, 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 it just outlines the whole film from beginning to end. You don't want to miss it. That's true. Uh, and like, well, you just told me the whole story. I don't want to hear that. It's true, actually. You watch the trailer for Dalek Invasion of Earth as in the movie version, and it's literally like, Doctor Who, land on the planet. It literally yeah. tells the whole thing. Yeah, it's true. They just spoil everything. They go from the beginning, and they'll give you the cliffhanger. Why, why did I see this in the cinema? Yeah, and somehow that got people to go in. <laughs> yeah. And, and then they do. the story, you know it. Yeah. But it's enough. To be honest, I thought it was a bit of a surprise to put a trailer out at Christmas. Mm. But I was just to... We're talking about 11 months <laughs> uh, until, the, until it actually comes up. I felt like he'd had it done and he was like, should we put it out? Yeah. Should we, should yeah, we put probably. it out? Oh, he's got to plug it all year long. Oh, and we're going to get so many little, like, exclusive clips. David Tennant coming back is stunt casting. Yeah. That's what we... Oh, that's what oh we absolutely. Discussed. 
it's definitely stunt casting. It's, it's, but it's using that nostalgic side of the 60th to allow that to happen. And I think you'll have, and it's not just for the sake of it as well. He's using it to, he'll write a, re, a good reason why and why it's happened. But also, it does do what we, I think we can all collectively agree, the show is in a decline. It needs that boost again. And what I noticed a lot was a lot of people saying, I've got to watch this now. More people are like just keen to give it a watch again. And I reckon it'll give the boost it needs to hopefully continue that momentum. Amongst fans, people feel that the 10th Doctor's a bit overused, over-relied on. Because if you listen to Big Finish or read the mm. books or the comics he or play everywhere. the games... He is literally everywhere. He's yeah. on all that. But if you're a casual fan like my parents or my sister, all you know is David Tennant left in 2010. He came back for a special in 2013. You've not seen him since 2013. So and years time, yeah. yeah, and all the normies that I know that are just like, oh, Doctor Who's on, I'll watch it. They're engaging with the show a bit more in conversation now than I've heard for well over a decade. And I know people like to point the finger at Chibnall and Whittaker and say it's all downhill from then. But no, this thought... damage kind of happened in the Moffat Capaldi era. Yeah, but I do feel like you know, like the casual viewers. You know, like whenever you think of Doctor Who, a lot of people just think like Tom Baker curly hair, long scarf, and mm. I kind of feel like David Tennant is our equivalent. When the modern era people think of Doctor Who, they think of David Tennant. Oh, absolutely. You know? Oh, yeah, he's, he's the modern day He is Tom the modern Baker. day Tom Baker, 100%. That trailer was enough, I think, to pick, to pick our interest. We're still craving more. We want to know more. We want to see more. But don't tell us too much. But don't tell us exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody pointed out that Neil Patrick Harris, the waistcoat that he's wearing, is very similar to David Tennant's new costume. So I'm wondering if that plays any part in it. I kind of feel like now fans are doing that thing where they're searching yeah. too deep. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. All right, guys, I'd say that's about it for this episode. Abby, thanks for joining us once again. Why don't you tell right. people where they can find you online if you uh, want so, to? Yeah, well, to hunt me down. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, right, so my YouTube is TT Productions 23 um so that's lots of paternoster and doctor who and other various um audio dramas and on twitter i am abby louise 230 excellent i'll link all that in the show notes chris you're no longer on twitter you're still on instagram and sometimes tiktok yeah i do the odd tiktok so Uh, i'll link to those yeah i did that one of merry christmas um that was a good one I I love it because it it takes off quite virally on TikTok quite quick. Yeah, mm. and so more people and the more people see it, the odds of you getting a negative comment or review even uh, come up. I'm okay with criticism because I'm like it always helps build your performance. But there are some that I just sort of read and go, what the? Because that's where I first saw you, Chris. <laughs> actually, it's on TikTok. Is it really? Yeah, because I messaged you and I was like, do you do this doctor? And then I never bloody used you as a doctor ever. <laughs> um, because I used, I used the TikTok a lot. Oh, my TikTok's the same handle as my Twitter. But because um, I cosplay Doctor Who companions, both classic and big finish and modern. I've done like Molly O'Sullivan, Charlotte Pollard and Flip Jackson. And like, so I'm on there as well. I don't post very often now because life got in the way. Yeah, as it so often does. Yeah. All right. And we'll be back next week with some more nonsense.